Welcome to the Healing Embodied Podcast, where we have real and raw conversations about growth and healing that will shift your perspective in profound ways. We take a unique approach to healing the overthinking mind, creating conscious relationships, and living a life of courage and freedom. So take a deep breath and get ready to expand your mind, connect to your body, and activate your spirit. Hello and welcome to the Healing Embodied Podcast. This is your host, Chelsea Horton, and today I'm going to be sharing um, a recording of a free event we did a couple months ago all about why we compare our relationships to other people, how that creates so much anxiety and shame, and really how to get to the root of comparison and address the core fears and the core wounds that drive us to constantly be comparing our relationship and our experience to others. So buckle up, tune in, get your notepad out, unless you're driving, don't do that. And I really hope you enjoy today's episode of the Healing Embodied Podcast. Welcome, welcome, welcome. I am Chelsea. For those who are maybe new to Healing Embodied, um, I am the founder and CEO of Healing Embodied. I started Healing Embodied in 2019. And we have the amazing, the wonderful Sarah. Hello, I'm Sarah. Um, I'm the lead body mind integration expert at Healing Embodied. So I lead the majority of our embodiment sessions and our group programs. I'm on the Instagrams every once in a while. I do these sort of fun things. So yeah, that's who I am. I joined Healing Embodied when, Chelsea? 2020. 2020. So I think I think we're at your three years already. I don't even know. It has flown by. And Mariana's here in the house too. I'm going to spotlight you, Mariana, here for a second. Yeah. Mariana, you joined us in 2020. 2021? No. Two years exactly in June. <laughs> no. What the so Mariana is um, currently in finishing up her credentials to have her certification in dance movement therapy and counseling, which is what me and Sarah's degree and board certification is in so that Mariana can be our bilingual Spanish anxiety coach. (laughs) So she's, she's here with us too. We're, we're, um, yeah, we're the dream team. I call us the dream team Queens. (laughs) All right. So let's have everyone, um, share in the chat what inspired you to register for this call today? Like, what are you wanting to learn? Yeah. What inspired you to be here today? Feeling anxious about not feeling as healthy as other couples, maybe learn what's normal. Still on my healing journey with RSCD and have noticed comparison being a very prevalent theme for me recently. Mm -hmm being triggered when being around other couples or women who have chosen to leave their relationships. Oh yeah. That used to trigger me hardcore, especially friends of mine who seem to have found their soulmate. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> because your last mind reading post was too relatable. Was that Sarah's my day of life video? <laughs> there are a couple, a couple people. Yeah. Who are like mind readers do exist. <laughs> Sure do. (laughs) We see you. We see you. 
Somatic symptoms have been acting up me the past six-ish months. I've made lots of progress in overthinking and spiraling, but recently I'm having trouble with breathlessness, bloating, and body checking. I also tend to compare my relationship to others a good bit. Yeah. The somatic symptoms of anxiety can be really intense. Mm-hmm. Upcoming friend's wedding. Oh, it's so easy to compare at weddings. Feeling mm-hmm. from heartbreak, trying to move on with healthier thought patterns and working with my body. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So whatever brought you here, we are so, so glad you're here. And um, I remember comparison was such a go-to thing for me. I even like had to delete my Facebook for a while because the comparison was so bad in the beginning when I had relationship anxiety. I see these couples posting like hashtag so blessed that like God sent me this perfect person who was just for me. And I was like, (laughs) like my body would just get so activated because in that split second, when I saw another couple and their perfect experience or seeing someone post about a breakup, my body would just instantly go into this pattern and this spiral of comparison and feeling anxious and you know, comparing their story to my story. And is, is my story anything like theirs or is my story as, as good as theirs? So like wondering, like, is my experience, is my experience okay? Is my experience enough? Are there other people like me? And so we, we kind of want to break down why it is that we compare, like what's driving it. Cause it's, it's clearly something that just seems to automatically happen or unconsciously happen. And it also just creates so much distress. Um, so yeah, I used to compare like other people's breakup stories. Like, is, you know, am I going to go through that? I used to compare when people like seemed so happy and in love and they just knew and, you know, God told them and I'm like, well, shit, I mean, am I doing something wrong? Because all these people are having these experiences and I'm not. Um, so that's how comparison showed up a lot for me. It was, it would happen a lot from what I saw online. And I remember there was a time where a close college friend of mine who had gotten married, like told me that she was getting divorced. And I literally like Mm -hmm. broke down. I was like panicking. My, my roommate at the time, like had to console me because I was just like, that's going to be me. That's going to be me. That's going to be me because it happened to her. So obviously that's going to happen to me. And oh my gosh, if she can't make, you know, a relationship work, who am I to think that my relationship's going to work? So that's, that's how it really manifested for me. And Sarah, I don't know if you want to speak to your experiences with comparison. Sure. Yeah. It's, um, I'm excited to have like both of our perspectives here because I also have been thick in comparison a lot in my life like still I still have to actively move away from the path the comparison pathway often in my life but for me it really hasn't been like comparing my partner or my um, relationship sometimes my experiences but more so comparing like me like I compare myself how I look how I feel how I act how I lead groups how I show up in the space um what my voice sounds like like I compare myself to other people in an effort to like to suss out like 
am I good enough? Am I okay? There's that enough word, right? Um, I compare myself to Chelsea all the time. So it's like fun that we're here together too. So like I, it's, um, I've experienced comparison in a little bit of a different flavor than I think you have Chelsea. So it's kind of interesting to see how the comparison can be like externalized is my partner is my relationship are my experiences okay versus internalized like am I okay am I wrong what like am I good enough um so it's kind of interesting to see those two pathways of comparison just side by side but I think what we'll get into is that the root like what's at the core of that is the same across the board so yeah I'm seeing all of the things in the chat of like this is what I compare to in all of our different like flavors of comparison, but the cores that we'll get into will probably be very relatable across the board. Yeah. Like the manifestations of the comparison are vast. Like there's just so many different ways it can manifest, but I really believe that the core is going to speak to everyone because I even like, as I was starting this discussion on Instagram, some people are like, what if I compare to like a past relationship that I've been in and like how I felt in that relationship versus I feel versus how I feel now. And it's like, yeah, all of that, all of that is how comparison shows up of like, oh my gosh, well, I felt this way with this partner, but not this partner. And what does that mean? And so no matter how the comparison shows up, whether it's very like you focused or your relationship focused or your partner focused, attraction, feelings, enoughness, however it manifests, what I really want us to see is that's just the surface. Mm -hmm. That's the surface. That's what the mind is latching onto, but we're going to be like going a little bit deeper here and really seeing what's, what's driving this, like what's at the core of comparison, however it manifests for you. So I kind of want to cover like two core main things and we can, you know, piece each thing apart here. But the first thing I want to cover, like why we compare is that as Sarah alluded to this, like sussing out, am I enough? Because, you know, we learn somewhere in life that we have to look outside of ourselves for standards of what is like acceptable and what is okay. And so you had to like look to others to know what you should do or how you should be, how your relationship should be. So you're like looking for like, okay, what, what's the barometer for how I should be, how I should feel like, okay, this person here is showing this and my relationship doesn't look like that or my experience doesn't match that. And we automatically say that they're doing, that they hold the standard, like, oh, that, that relationship on social media where they look so happy and in love, that's, that's the standard. And now I'm like looking outside of myself, like, what's the standard? What's the expectation for like how I should be. So even beginning to become curious when you notice yourself comparison, starting to ask the question, like, what's the should What's the should that I'm subconsciously holding myself to and bringing that into your conscious awareness? Why everyone else should be the standard, but not me. Yeah. Like why everyone else's experiences are right, but you automatically default your experience to wrong. Like, oh, I must be the one that's wrong here. 
There's so much of this, like, I see this so much just in our world at large and in our society. Like, I think, I mean, I grew up in the, like, American school systems and like it's built on comparison. We are constantly compared to our peers. We have to take standardized tests to see if we are meeting the milestones. Like when you're applying for jobs, you're supposed to compare different like businesses and they're comparing you to your fellow applicants. Like our society is built on this energy of comparison or there's just so much of it. So of course, we learn from such a young age to look outside of ourselves for the standards and that you are expected to meet these standards and modify or change or push yourself in order to meet those standards. Yeah. And then oftentimes the default belief that our mind goes to is if I don't look like that couple on Instagram, or if I don't live up to that expectation and should, then mm -hmm. I'm not enough. Mm -hmm. I didn't make a good enough choice. I'm not feeling in love enough. And therefore that means what, right? Like really becoming curious here. Like, let's really see what are the subconscious beliefs? Like, oh, if I'm not feeling as in love as that couple in my life or on Instagram, what does that mean about me? And oftentimes we find shame, this belief, like, I must not be enough. My experience must, if it's different, it must be wrong. And I must be wrong. Yeah. I compare my relationship with my boyfriend to my relationship with my two long-term exes. They're all good relationships, but in different ways. But should I feel more like I did with an ex versus how I feel with my current? Should I have a boyfriend more like this other one? Yeah. Like what's the standard? Like what is going to let me know that I'm okay and that I'm enough and that I'm doing enough? Like we're looking for this like formula is really what's happening. Like what's the formula for the right relationship? What's the formula for being enough? So being curious of like, what's the should and where did you learn that should? Like, where did that come from? Yeah. I've talked to Shotzi and Sarah before about feeling fully seen inside and out by my past partner, which I don't necessarily feel now. I feel I should feel he truly sees me or gets me exactly I feel like I'm always trying to figure out what that formula is mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. yeah and everyone's like yes 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 yeah what's what's the formula that's gonna to make me certain that I'm okay that my experience is okay mm -hmm. that I belong it's almost like we're looking also for this sense of belonging like if I can make sure that I'm like someone else, then I belong. And shame says like, if you're different, you're bad and, and you don't belong and you're somehow less than. I also weirdly feel like my current partner should be more well-versed in mental health issues when he's just more mentally well than my past partners. Oh yeah. I used to have that, that should as well. And again, these shoulds, what they do, it's like, trying to fit our experience into this box, whether the box was handed to us from society and like media, social media, movies, Disney movies, maybe this box was handed to us from family. Like we're trying to fit our experience in this box and whatever doesn't fit in the box. We're like, Oh my gosh, this is wrong because it doesn't 
fit into this, this box, these expectations, these shoulds, these standards. I should be courageous enough to leave my partner and find the ideal type. I think because I didn't have a good role model for relationships and my divorced parents, I just keep looking and learning how should it look. Yeah. And that can be an energy of comparison too, is the should nots. Oh, my, my relationship should not look like my parents. Then I'll know it'll be okay. So I have to constantly compare and make sure that what my partner says isn't anything like my parents or anything like my dad or my mom or whoever said, because then I'll know that I'll never end up like that. Child of divorce here. That was 100% me. (laughs) Yeah looking for the formula for the box and trying to fit your unique humanity, your unique experience, your unique relationship as messy and nuanced and complex, trying to fit it into this, this box to know like, okay, if it meets up to these standards, if it matches other people's experience, then I know that I'm acceptable, that I'm okay. So yeah, let's, let's pause here for a moment. We're talking about shame and shoulds and standards like what's what's coming up for you maybe take a moment to like feel into your own body as we're bringing this stuff forward and noticing just what's what's here with you what are you noticing as we start saying like oh wow we we might have this unconscious need to know that we're enough How will I know when to leave when I didn't know and wanted to do that in a past toxic relationship? Yeah. And a lot of times when we've experienced pain in the past and we haven't fully grieved and felt the pain of that, then we go into future relationships saying, okay, this time, how do I make sure I never do that again? How do I like, how do I do the absolute opposite? And how do I like, how do I have certainty? that I'm never going to experience that again. So I need the formula again. Where's the formula to tell me what to do so that I don't feel that hurt when really what what's happening is you're being invited to feel the hurt. It's very like rigid rules that our brain creates. Never again. Will I let myself miss a red flag? Never again. Will I let this happen? And it just breeds this constant comparison is this anything like it was before? Am I doing something that I did before? Do I need to do something differently? Yeah. Oh yeah. I, yeah. Someone wrote, how can I trust myself when I've been wrong before? And that was huge for me too. Cause like I was broken up with before I met Matt and I was totally blindsided and it like literally like rocked my world. And I was like, how do I make sure I'm never wrong again? And I was constantly comparing. I knew that Matt was nothing like my ex, but I was constantly comparing my knowingness. Like if I had any sort of doubts, I was like, oh my gosh, am I having doubts? Because this is actually like my past relationship and I should be seeing something and I'm not. And so of course, like comparing other people's experiences of, I just knew (laughs) and being like, oh my gosh, this is my indication that I'm about to be hurt again and wrong again and experience that pain. Mm -hmm. And again, really, that's an invitation. If your, your brain is obsessively looking for a formula, that's an invitation of like, where's the hurt that I'm afraid to re-experience. Yeah. 
A lot of people talk about how you should feel a certain way or have certain things in your relationship. Otherwise you should leave because I'm not leaving, even though I don't feel a hundred percent or have certain things I want. I wonder if I will just tolerate anything and never leave, right? You see these like extremes. The brain is kind of bringing your experience, trying to fit it into one of these two extremes into one of these little rigid boxes versus like being able to see the complexity and the nuance and to know like there's, there is no like rigid formula and everyone's experience is truly unique. Like, yes, we have overlap. Yes. We have similarities. And at the end of the day, your journey is your journey. <sighs> so some people said they were feeling tension in the stomach, feeling fear, grief. So let's just take a moment, like wherever you're feeling sensation or activation or emotion in your body. Maybe you just take a moment to place a hand or hands over where you're feeling that just connect, honor, hold space for it. Like, oh yeah, this is bringing up, this is bringing up pain. This is bringing up hurt. This is bringing up fear of uncertainty. This is maybe poking at my fear of not being enough. Meeting that pain with love. And this kind of leads us into the other thing I want to talk about, which is, you know, oftentimes in response to pain in the past, our minds then are always scanning for what could go wrong, for any potential threat. And if your biggest fear is being in the wrong relationship or relational loss or abandonment, you begin to see the world through this lens of fear. You begin to see yourself through this lens. You begin to see your relationship through this lens. I like to use this example um, when we, everyone around the world can relate to this. When, when, when COVID was first like all over the news and just like the calamity of everything, I remember I was, and there's so much fear around it. Like it's, oh, it's, oh my God, ah like so much fear and like we're, we're literally feeling this fear on a global collective scale. And I remember like being so afraid of getting COVID and because I had so much fear of getting COVID because I'm like literally being fed, like, Oh, like be afraid. Like I'm locked in my house. Like what is happening? Because I was so afraid of getting, getting COVID. And that was like a very present fear for me. I then scanned everything I felt through this lens of fear. And there was this one day, you know how when we all got locked down, a lot of us went into like, I'm going to deep clean my house. There was this one day where I was like dusting my fan blades, which none of us do that. Okay. Let's just be honest. None of us dust that. Okay. So I was dusting the fan blades. And I remember like feeling this like tickle and scratch in my throat and being like, oh, Oh my God, it's COVID. And I start Googling what are the first symptoms, what are the first symptoms of COVID? And then I like noticed that I was literally doing a compulsion. And I was like, oh my God. And instead of my brain being like, oh, you were just dusting years worth of dust off your fan blade, of course your throat's gonna get a little tickly. Because my biggest fear was getting COVID, I like scanned that sensation in my throat through that lens of fear. So if your greatest fear is being in the wrong relationship or not being enough or relational loss or abandonment, then you're going to 
assess your experience through that lens. And your, your brain is literally going to look for any reason how it could be that that fear could come true or that it could confirm that deepest fear of yours. Like our brains are literally scanning for any potential threat. And if in your system, relational loss or being wrong or not being enough is a threat, then that's what your mind is going to be looking for and looking to confirm. I mean, what what you're sharing, Chelsea, is like we see what we're looking for, right? Like what you look for or what your brain is conditioned to look for is what you're going to see. And I used to do this in my relationship a ton of like comparing myself to other girls around me and like I would be watching like the waitress walked by, like, did my husband look at her? Did he look at her butt? Did he look at her butt more than he looks at my butt? Does he like her butt more than he likes my butt? Is my butt better than her? You know, it would go into the comparison because the fear was not being good enough, right? The the outer layer fear was him liking someone more than me. The deeper layer fear was what if I'm not good enough? What if, what if there's someone better than me? And what if he discovers that? and leaves right so like what if I'm not good enough and so from this lens of I'm not good enough or I'm not enough I was seeing everything through like anything that could prove to me that I wasn't good enough or anything that could prove to me that I was good enough right that like oh no I'm I'm smarter than she is or like my my butt's better (laughs) you know like it, it would go into comparison a lot of comparing myself out there Mm-hmm. Yeah. So being curious of the deeper layer fear, then if your mind is whatever your mind is latching on, whether yeah. it's butt comparison or feelings of enoughness, like whatever your mind is latching on, see if you could become curious of like, okay, what's the deeper, what's the deeper fear here? Mm-hmm. Cause your mind can just go in circles all day with that, like surface level stuff your brain's latching on to. Comparison will always just breed more comparison because you, you the brain doesn't go like, oh yeah, see, I am enough. Okay, goodbye. Right. It doesn't just end there. It says like, okay, great, that feels good. Oh, what about this other thing? What about this other person? Now maybe I should be fighting with my partner more. I was just shooting all over the fact that we were fighting, but maybe we are supposed to be fighting. And no, but it, right, it's just gonna breed more comparison. Comparison, because there's so much shame and anxiety under there, it doesn't breed worthiness and calmness and compassion. It just breeds more shame and doubt and comparison. A hundred percent. It's a never ending cycle and it literally begins to distort our perception of ourselves and our relationship because everything is, is in this either inferior or superior. Like you said, Sarah, like, okay, oh no, 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 my butt is better. Or like, oh no, my relationship is, my relationship is better than theirs. Whoo, they're a mess and my relationship is better than that. So it's like, it's always going into superior or inferior and it's, it's just this never ending cycle and it literally distorts our perception of our experience versus saying like, my experience is complex. It's human. This is the isness of it. Like this is the reality of it. We're always trying to like pigeonhole our experience up against something else, which literally like 
we're no longer seeing just the reality of it. We're seeing it in comparison with someone's filtered, perfect Instagram feed with their beautiful curated captions or comparing it to someone's breakup, but we don't even actually know all the details and the backstory of what led to that, right? So it's always going to distort our perception because when we compare, we're not seeing the full picture. We're just seeing what whatever people are presenting. And so we can make this assumption, oh, they must be so in love all the time, or oh, they must be just like never have any problems, or oh, they must be this, or blah, 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 blah. We're always seeing one facet and then comparing our whole complex experience to that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Comparison always accompanies intense anxiety, right? Yeah. And I'm curious, like, what about comparison is anxiety inducing for you? Like, what be just being curious of like, when I compare myself, what happens? Like, what is it that is so distressing about it? Is it that you believe you're not enough? Is it you fear that you're going to end up like them because they broke up and that means I'm like, I'm going to experience relational loss. Keep needing to remind myself that the snaps of moments I see in social media aren't probably their 24 seven life. Not even not probably it's not, (laughs) it's not their 24 seven life. And comparison is, it's very dehumanizing to ourselves because we're not taking into account our full spectrum of our humanity. We're trying to compare our full experience to someone's like curation or someone's little tiny little snippet of advice that has no context. So it's not honoring our own humanity when we compare the fullness and the complexity of our experience to a little snippet, or we're trying to fit our experience into a box. We're saying like these aspects of my humanity and my experience are not okay. Seeing a lot in the chat of like everybody reflecting on like how comparison shows up for you. Oh, I do this. Oh, I do the opposite. Oh, mine's a little bit different. Oh, I do this too. Um, Which is so beautiful because I love seeing how we're all so connected and notice if you're even comparing like how comparison shows up for you <laughs> like oh maybe I'm in the wrong place and I'm not actually comparing and it's not actually re- relationship anxiety because mine shows up differently notice if you're comparing how you compare right now I'm gonna like lovingly weasel my way into your brains and call that out because I can imagine it's happening and again going all the way back to the beginning of this call like notice the themes, notice the core, notice the like, holy shit, we all compare so much. And I sit at home thinking I'm the only person in the world comparing my relationship to other people, but like, clearly I'm not. So recognize that too. Just notice how you're maybe comparing how you compare. (laughs) Yeah. How you're comparing in this very moment, in this very call. Mm -hmm. And wondering like, oh, is anyone else sharing a similar experience to mine? And if they're not, what what does that mean? So notice if that meaning making is happening. What does it mean? Oh my gosh, someone else said they, they compare this, but uh, that's not what I compare. Like just even notice in this moment in real time, if that's happening. 
And I, I want to even just begin to invite us into the curiosity of like, what if my experience was okay, even if it was different, even if no one else in this chat had the exact same experience as you, like, what if you could trust that it was okay to have your human experience, that it's okay to have your unique story and path. So even maybe you want to even just feel into that and imagine, maybe you have no idea what that feels like, but you want to begin to imagine or start to begin to connect to the possibility of that reality. Like what if I could trust that whatever my experience is like that, it's okay. It's my human experience. Mm -hmm. Even if I'm in a relationship and we're navigating lots of messy challenges even if I just went through a breakup, whatever it is, like, what if I could trust that my unique human experience was okay? Like just, it is what it is. And it's okay as it is. Um, this is where I'm suffering. The relationship ended and it hurts so bad. I'm working towards trusting that what happened was okay. And I did the best for me. It's again, it is what it is like, and just being able to be with what is versus comparing your situation to someone else's. Like if I accepted and trusted that my human experience is okay, what would that allow me to do? Would it allow me to fully grieve? Would it allow me to navigate this with more trust? Would it allow me to be able to enjoy and appreciate it? Like what would trusting in your unique story allow you to have access to? Someone in the chat was saying their body went into panic at the possibility of that. So if you're feeling fear, ask yourself, like, what feels scary about trusting myself? The fear is going to try to interrupt. Like, no, 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 that's, you can't do that. You can't trust that. You can't trust the scary, scary, scary. What, so what feels scary about that? What's the fear in there? What have you learned will happen if you trust yourself? If you could trust in your experience? What have you learned is the terrible, horrible thing that's going to happen. And, and someone said, I feel resistance to trusting my unique experience. I don't want to resign myself to not being fulfilled if there's a better option, if that makes sense. I had a whole session with a one-on-one client on this yesterday. I called this her optimization part. Continually looking to optimize and therefore never being satisfied with anything. So even be curious about the part of you that's coming up, like, I want to make sure that I'm, I have, that there's not a better option out there. And like, what would it mean about you if you chose something that wasn't the optimal choice? Oh yeah. I had a whole real fantastic session about the optimization part. That was the first time I put that term out there. So I'm excited to be talking about it again. Yeah. A lot of times this comparison is driven by the optimization part. How do I make sure I have the best? I'm making the best choice because if I don't, if I'm not sure that I'm making the optimal choice, boom, what's the fear? I worked with a client on something very similar around never learning how to feel satisfied. Like she, she was like, I don't know what it feels like in my body to feel satisfied because I'm always looking. It's that optimization, like always looking for, but what if something's better? How could I be better? How could I grow? What does it feel like to be satisfied and just comfortable 
where you are and what's the fear around that? What does your brain say will happen if you settle into that? And again, notice if there's some extreme thinking, like if I allow myself to be content mm-hmm. in my unique experience, then that means I'm settling or I'm going to like actually be choosing a miserable mundane life. I like had my client, I'm like, go there, go there. What it like, what's the thing you picture in your head? She's like this cranky crotchety old lady who is on her deathbed regretting that she, you know, missed out on everything in life. And it's like, okay, the extremes, right? Like notice if your brain, okay, if I let myself be content and trust in my unique experience, that means I'm going to not be picking the best option. And therefore I'm going to end up as the crotchety old lady who's on her deathbed regretting her whole life. Like, whoa, am I settling if I'm satisfied? Yeah. Yeah. And what have we made wrong about settling? Like, what have we made it mean about us? See, like, notice how me and Sarah are like, get curious, get curious, go deeper, go deeper. And the comparison is so sneaky. And the like optimization is so sneaky because it's so, it's so focused on like, I have to find the thing that's better. Like I can never miss out and I can never let myself settle because then like my life won't be good enough. There's always something better out there. It's so afraid of like the mundane, the boredom, the settling. It's so afraid of being like unhappy in your life. And so it keeps you constantly comparing and looking for that like most optimal thing. But in doing that, you actually make yourself wildly unhappy. Like that's the paradox is it's so terrified of you being unhappy or missing out. And you actually end up missing out on years and years of your life because you've just, you spent years comparing constantly. So you're not actually experiencing the joy that's in front of you. Oh, where did it go? There was a comment. I was like, oh, I'm afraid to feel the disappointment from my reality, not looking and feeling the same as what I always dreamed love would look like in the movies. So even fearing certain emotions, I'm afraid. And I talked about this with my client last night, like this optimization part, this perfectionist part is, has labeled disappointment as bad and made disappointment mean something about you. Oh, if my relationship doesn't measure up to this idealistic standard, then I'm going to feel disappointment. And if I feel disappointment, that means I've fucked up and I'm wrong and I'm bad. And I'm somehow that crotchety old lady on her deathbed that I think is just, she's wasted her life. She's wasted her life. And I don't want to be like that. Oh, that I'm weak. Yeah. Oh, I hear that a lot. Like, oh, I'm a coward. That means I'm a coward who's just too afraid to leave and go after what she really wants or what he really wants, whatever. Yeah. So we can see like just how, how deep this runs y'all always getting curious. Like, okay, what, what's the deeper fear here? What am I afraid to feel? What am I afraid of? Yeah. I'm too codependent. Don't know how to be on my own. Okay. What would that mean about you? If you were someone who's codependent, right? Like, Get curious of like why that idea is so terrifying. Who who did you have in your life who was codependent? Like, just be curious. Fear that I won't be optimally happy. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And then we just, we're constantly comparing their situations better. Could my situation be better here? 
constantly. And it's like this endless, endless thing. Yeah. Hopefully what we're seeing here is that the comparison, like the outer layer, this is what Chelsea was saying earlier, like the manifestation of the comparison, the outer layer it often has nothing to do, the deeper core has nothing to do with that outer layer. It, it's all these deeper fears. But what the mind likes to do is try to figure out that outer layer. If I could just figure it out, then I'll feel better. And it's actually, it's looking beneath that, getting curious. Like, what's the deeper fear? What's the should? What's the shame story I'm carrying around that I'm weak, that I won't be happy, that I'll deserve this, that I settle, that I'm lazy, that I'm I'm a coward, whatever it is. Like, what's the shame story that's in there? And how can we start to connect to that, connect to that core, connect to that part of yourself that is so terrified of finding out something horrible about you or whatever it might be like can we start to see beneath the layers of the comparison because what the mind does is it stays with that outer layer of like oh is my husband more attracted to her than he is to me and then we try to figure it out and just I pay attention to every single facial expression where what's his body doing and how is he responding to me but it actually isn't about that it's not about that it's about that deeper layer that's in there are we seeing that how there's other layers yeah. it's an onion baby it's an onion and again there's kind of like this um powerlessness in this well these shame stories make us believe that we're also powerless and that we have no choice like oh if um, I'm the codependent person that won't take opportunities and be proud of myself. Like that's my life sentence. I'm powerless to that story. I have no more agency. I don't have, I won't ever have an opportunity to have any changes. Like it's going to be that way forever. And I'm powerless to that. Yeah. If I feel disappointment, I'm going to feel powerless. If I feel regret. I'm going to feel powerless. Yeah. So even just noticing like the subtle feelings of powerlessness that happen that fuel the comparison. If I'm not like this, if my experience isn't like this, then that means it's about me and I'm powerless to that story and I'm going to be that way forever. And that's my life sentence. Yeah. So we're going to take the last few minutes to just open up to a couple questions. Yeah, Sarah, is there anything else you wanted to, to say? No, I was just say peeling, peeling back the layers is what will point you to your wound. Like as you peel back these layers, as you get curious, as you ask, what, what do I think that would mean about me? What's the fear in there? What's the shame story? That's going to point you to your wound. Oh, I have a feeling of being unworthy or feeling that I'm not enough, or I have a big fear of regret in my life, or I have a fear of fill in the blank. It's going to point you to the wound. And that's where the work is, not the top layer. That's where the work is. It's not about figuring out if you have a better butt than the waitress. <laughs> <laughs> it's about how do I, yeah. I mean, obviously, Sarah, you have to better butt. Obviously, yeah. <laughs> like, come on. Yeah. We all know that. <laughs> Blush over here. Yeah. Questions about comparison. Throw them in the chat. 
What do we do once we determine the core beer? I'm so glad you asked. How do we work through it? Me, okay. Um, <laughs> I was like, go ahead. <laughs> yeah, it is. Part of it's going to depend on the core fear. A big part of it is going to be not avoiding it and not running from it. The comparison is often a way to avoid the thing we're afraid of. If I just compare and compare and compare, compare then I don't ever have to risk feeling the thing that I'm afraid of. So um, I'll use myself as an example of one of my biggest core fears when it comes to comparison is not being good enough. So instead of just constantly trying to prove that I'm good enough and look for all of the proof that I'm good enough, I kind of have to go inward and say, whoa, what does that feel like? I'm, we're dance movement therapists, so we use the body. But if I look at like the part of myself that's afraid of not being good enough, like where is that? What does that part look like? For me, it, it gets like very, very small and very, that's the powerlessness. That's the hiding. Like, I don't want to be seen as not being good enough like this. And then it goes into where did, where the fuck did I learn that? Where did I learn that I wasn't good enough? Maybe it's some younger self work, but yeah, I think looking at the fear and getting support around it. I think support is a big one because the shame is so strong and the anxiety is so fucking convincing that if we try to do it on our own we will often think we're healing or actually just going further into shame or anxiety um so getting support around the core fear too and someone asked how do we determine the core fear and someone something i want to say about this is a lot of times we see with our clients is like i've got to find the one thing the one core and once I find the one core, the one core fear, it will eliminate all of the anxiety. It's like I've unlocked something. And what I, we often say is this anxiety, this comparison, it's often the culmination of lots of complex factors. So there could be multiple core fears. There could be yeah, fear of not being enough. There could be like fear of feeling the emotion of disappointment. Like, and ultimately, these fears are held in our bodies. And our minds are just constantly trying to make sense of it, but they, they live and they're stored as experiences in our bodies, these automatic reactions. So we, it's important to, to get support that also invites in the body, AKA what we do at healing embodied. Um, but it's not like you're going to discover this one core fear and what and you're like, aha, I found it. And then poof. Like the anxiety is going to go away. I, I, we definitely come up against that a lot with clients. We're like, no, 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 no. Don't go on this like obsessive wild goose chase for the one core fear. And once I find it, it's like, um, never mind. I was going to make a, a reference to something and I can't even remember the fucking name of it. And I'm like, we're just going to leave that one. I'm just going to leave that one. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah. And I think agreed totally. Like, it's not about finding the one core fear. And sometimes it's like the process of just learning how to be with your fears and the parts of you that are scared versus going into all of these protection avoidance strategies, like comparison, like learning just to be with the emotions is already starting to shift 
the pattern there. So it's, yes, it's not find the one for fear, eliminate it, and you'll live a life of happiness. That's just another way of looking for the formula, right? So it's like learning to be with your humanness, your emotions. Yeah. Infinity stone. That's, that was the analogy. <laughs> yeah. Someone asked, Sarah, what do you mean about thinking we're healing, but then we're going more into anxiety and shame? Yeah. I'm was typing something that'll be better for me to just talk about it. Um, mostly what I mean by that is just that shame is incredibly good at masking itself as motivation or self-improvement. Um, so sometimes when we're not as familiar with hearing the voice of shame as the voice of shame, we may still be hearing the voice of shame as our intuition or as motivation saying like, like, well, you know, if you're so afraid of not being good enough. Like if I'm, let's say I'm comparing myself to Chelsea and I'm just so afraid of not being like as good of a therapist as she is, maybe I can just like learn more and watch more of her like recordings and ask questions and absorb and absorb and absorb. And in my head, I'm thinking like, wow, I'm bettering myself. Like I'm really healing this wound because I'm just like learning all these things and feeling so confident, but actually I'm, it's, it's just shame saying like, you're not good enough and you really need to to get better and then you won't feel this way anymore. It's your fault that you feel like shit. You're just not good enough. So I think that's part of having support because then you can maybe have someone who can help you start to hear what is shame, what's anxiety, um, and is shame or anxiety playing a role in your healing journey. Does that make yeah. sense? Yeah, we definitely see that a lot. It's like, I've got to heal to get rid of this thing. And if I, if I don't get rid of my relationship anxiety, then like, I've got to be healed enough. And that's going to make me worthy. It's like, mm-hmm. oh, shame is sneaking into the healing. Is comparison ever useful for someone with relationship anxiety? Are there any instances in which it could be helpful or is it always harmful? Fun question. Good question. I, I think with all things, there's nuance. Like. A comparison is not all bad. I know like initially when we think we're alone in our experience and that no one else experiences anxiety and to hear that someone else experiences it can initially be a very de-shaming experience. Like it removes that layer of shame. So sometimes comparison in the right context can be really de-shaming but with relationship anxiety, it's like, I'm alone. I'm alone. No one else experiences this. Oh my gosh. I've just found healing embodies Instagram account. And she experiences too. Oh my gosh. Oh. And then it goes, uh-oh, let me compare my experience to hers. Hers wasn't exactly like mine. Uh-oh. So then there I go again. I'm the exception. I'm the one that's wrong. So it can be useful to a point. Comparison's great when you're shopping. Mm-hmm. <laughs> trying to find a like a school or a product it's great when you're shopping but we can't shop for partners Mm -hmm. our society has made us believe that we can with like apps oh there's someone better someone better it's like comparison as compulsion versus like comparison as information gathering like if you're comparing like, oh, wow, the, you know, chicken Aldi is $3, but at Jewel, it's $6. Okay, I'm going to shop at Aldi. Like, that is 
comparison as a, like to get information and make an informed decision from there. If you're using comparison as a compulsion or as a like protective mechanism or as a way to prove if you're right or wrong, that's maybe where it gets a little dangerous. So good. I love that. What type of support is best for this type of work? I'm biased and I'm going to say we're the best. <laughs> so you're asking, you're asking the wrong people or the, I'm right, just gonna, people. the right people. I'm just going to own that. Like, we fucking rock at what we do. Um, but yeah, there's, there's lots of different types of support out there. If, um, you know, healing embodied isn't, doesn't feel like fully aligned with you. Um, yeah, there's nervous system work, somatic therapy, there's, um, yeah, there's, there's lots of different stuff out there. And, you know, this is where we practice self-trust. It's like, if you're feeling pulled to a certain practitioner or methodology, practice trusting that and give it a shot. <laughs> Sometimes I think I already know it all, like all those wounds that I carry, but I just know them cognitively because of that, it's hard to feel them because my brain is like, yeah, it's like that. So what? And just numbness, how to admit that and actually feel. Oh yeah. It is so easy to cognitively know like, yeah, I know. Yeah. It's this. Yeah. It's this. Yeah. It's this, but it's a totally different thing for your body to believe it too. And your body to have these experiences. And oftentimes we go up into our head and to to intellectualizing, to cognitively understanding because it's uncomfortable and it feels unsafe to feel in our bodies. And we go into numbness or dissociation or depersonalization. So that's why for this, like getting outside somatic embodied support is really, really essential because it's a slow process of like slowly dipping your toes into feeling sensation, learning that it's safe, feeling a little bit more learning that it's safe. Like it's a, it's a slow, gentle process that again, isn't something we cognitively understand. It's, it's felt it's experienced. Um, so if you're noticing that I cognitively know, and I intellectualize, I intellectualize, I intellectualize my childhood, I intellectualize my emotions, but every time I want to actually feel them, I go numb. I dissociate. My brain keeps pulling me back up into intrusive thoughts then that's often an indication that it, we feel unsafe being in our bodies. And so having that co-regulation with, with an outside support is really, really powerful for that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Even if I understand the core fear logically, it still comes up. Yeah. Understanding logically is like the first step. Like, oh, like you hear awareness is the first step. Awareness is kind of like the doorway of like, okay, what's really going on here? bringing the unconscious into the consciousness and then somatically processing it through the body and connecting it to the body, not just storing more and more information up here. Ooh, ooh. So yeah, let's, let's take some time to, maybe you want to move your body in some way or just breathe or take a moment to just absorb this experience and ultimately just leaving this call with just curiosity. Can I be curious about my experience? Can I be curious about like what's driving the comparison? Can I be curious and can I trust 
in my unique unfolding of my story, my journey. And that even if I get it wrong, I'll be okay. Even if I get it wrong, whatever that means, I'll be okay. I'll, I'll like let my life will still move forward. I'll grieve. I'll feel the disappointment. It's all part of my, it's all part of the human experience. So in that sense, you can't fuck it up. Any last thoughts, Sarah? No, I'm with that. Can I trust that my unique experience is, is okay and is safe? And if I feel like I can't trust that, like if you're hearing Chelsea say that, and you're like, no, no, I can't. Then be curious about that. Don't leave it at, no, I can't. I just, I guess I just can't trust. Be curious about that. Huh, okay. I have some pretty big barriers about trusting myself or around trusting myself. I wonder what's going on there. Interesting. Okay. Always invite curiosity. It's going to peel back the layers. Well, thank you all so much for being here. I hope you learned a lot. I hope ultimately you feel just more understood and more seen, more clarity on on your experience. That's kind of the purpose of this call for you to just have more clarity of like what's going on and why. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you so much, everybody. If you enjoyed today's episode, I want to let you know that we actually do these free live events called Community Clarity Calls about once a quarter. And we have our next one coming up this month, September 28th. And it's going to be called Magic in the Mundane. So these are free live events that we do where we go in depth on a particular topic. Uh, And so Magic in the Mundane is going to be all about why we experience the lulls, the boredom, and the the mundane in our relationships, um, and how to not make negative meaning out of that. A lot of times our anxiety um, latches on to those experiences and goes, oh my gosh, shouldn't I be feeling more in love? Why am I not feeling X, Y, and Z? What does it mean that I'm feeling bored? Um, What does it mean that I'm feeling disconnected? you know, if I was with someone else, would I, you know, be feeling more passionate all the time? So if you notice your mind making meaning out of boredom or the mundane aspects of your relationship, this is going to be a wonderful event for you to attend. Um, You can attend live or you can register just to get the replay and watch the replay. Um, So I will put the link to that upcoming community clarity call in the description. So we would love to see you there. We're also going to be opening up time at the end for questions and interactive discussion. So can't wait to see you there. Link in the description. And I can't wait to chat with you next time.